0: Put yourselves on mute, as always, unless you want a question or comment, then feel free to buzz in, okay? Uh, let me open a word of prayer. <clears throat> our gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, we do praise you and we give you great thanks, Lord, for you alone, our God, and we praise you for that fact and the fact that uh, we are the work of your hands. We praise you and we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the grace which you have lavished upon us through Jesus Christ, our blessed Lord and Savior. We thank you for the new life that is ours, for the forgiveness of sins, and all the benefits that are ours in Christ Jesus, all of which we are not worthy of, but all of which you've given to us by your grace. And we thank you, Lord, for your word, and we pray, Lord, that as we uh, study once again tonight, your spirit would indeed uh, encourage us and uh, challenge us and uh, just uh, uh, help us to grow in, in our faith. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. all right uh before launching into this week's lesson um i want to take a few minutes to finish up last week's lesson which i didn't really get to last week we talked about a humble community um but what they wanted us to finish up with was a a little uh spend some time talking about pride pride within the community and one of the uh things that popped in my mind was uh, an incident of pride that goes all the way back to uh, 1054. And uh, uh, after more than a century, the Western, what we might consider Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church um, had come to uh, uh, an end. And uh, uh, they, Pope Leo s- sent a delegation to Constantinople to make peace with the Patriarch, which is the Eastern Pope. And uh, unfortunately, the head of that delegate was a Cardinal Humbert, who was very zealous for the Roman Catholic Church, but he was no diplomat. And he wrote and he handed a letter to the Patriarch, and he demanded that they uh, recognize Rome as uh, supreme and that they would uh, submit to, to Rome. And the patriarch, uh, noting that Pope Leo had since died, since they started their journey to Constantinople, questioned the legitimacy of the entire delegation, and uh, rejected the letter. At that point, Colonel Humbert took offense, resolved to leave Constantinople, but before leaving, he wrote out a what's called a bull, or a letter of excommunication, to the patriarch of the Eastern Orthodox Church, who upon receiving it, uh, or he didn't quite receive it, uh, he, he uh, Pope uh, Cardinal Humbert left it on the altar of Hagia Sophia, the great cathedral. And um, then he was going to leave town. And a lowly deacon, came into the cathedral and grabbed that letter of excommunication and ran after the cardinal. And he pleaded with the cardinal to reconsider and to return to the so-called peace talks. But uh, Cardinal Humbert was mortified that a lowly deacon should even approach and ask him to reconsider something. So he refused it and he dropped the letter in in the dirt and he left and went back to Rome. Uh, when he left, the Eastern Patriarch wrote a similar letter excommunicating Rome uh, from from uh, from Constantinople, and that was really the culmination of and what became known as the Great Schism between East and West. Um, what why I tell you that story is because I, I often wonder if Cardinal Humbert swallowed his pride and would have accepted the deacon's advice to return and try again at peace talks, if that schism would have ever happened. But because of his pride, um, it was a done deal. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about pride here tonight. <clears throat> and uh, we have to kind of, I think define pride. Anybody want to take a stab at a definition of pride right off the top?
1: Being un- unbending um, to want to do your own will. Okay.
0: Yeah.
2: I think we uh, defined it last week somewhat. Uh, self-concern, um, indifference indifferent to other people's needs.
1: Okay, yeah, that's good. Pastor Bob, it looks like you're shuffling papers or something by the microphone, and it's just making a lot of noise. I just wanted to let you
0: know. Thank you for telling me. I am shuffling papers. I got them right on the microphone, too. Thank
3: you. They call pride, pride, worshiping of the great self. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: That's what it is.
0: Okay.
3: We're worshiping the great self. The self is is your God. Yes,
0: yes yeah it's all, it's all it's very destructive self <clears throat> self focused uh, arrogant uh you know having the uh, the wrong uh, um, uh uh bloated opinion of oneself um all those things and and scripture often warns us uh, against pride doesn't it uh, mm-hmm. proverbs 8:13 to fear the lord is to hate evil I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. So, and there are many verses that condemn pride. But the tricky thing about pride is that it's kind of a two-edged sword because there can be a good sense of pride. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, pride can be uh, also heroic and admirable, uh, as in the second Corinthians 7, four. Paul writes, I have spoken to you with great frankness. I take great pride in you. I am greatly encouraged in all your troubles. My joy knows, 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 no bounds. So there's two cut types of pride. Uh, you might say there's just a, a good and a bad one. Um, Once calls it the uh, the bad pride hubris, hubris pride. Hubris is a, a term taken from the ancient Greeks. And it was a, a, describe those who thought themselves superior to the gods, and it entailed the moral failings of uh, not knowing one's place in a hierarchical scheme, vainglory. So hubris was a a false pride, uh, puffed up, exaggerated their importance, uh, act recklessly in pursuit of glory, and uh, believe themselves to be infallible. And it's a, that's that bad type of pride associated with the words like arrogance and conceit and narcissism, hostility, aggression. And it results, uh, so very often in interpersonal problems. And, uh, that's that type of bad pride, the hubristic pride is not to be confused, uh, with the good pride, the satisfaction one receives from uh A proper recognition of one's uh, achievements or performance um, hubris is pride that has gone wrong uh proverbs sixteen eighteen pride goes before destruction, mm-hmm. a haughty spirit before a fall, and hubris is all about self, the great eye <coughs> the well known yes. passage in Isaiah fourteen that we attribute to Lucifer is full of the eyes, right it says you said in your heart i will ascend to the heavens i will raise my throne above the stars of god i will sit enthroned on the most on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of mount zaphon i will ascend above the tops of the mountains i will make myself like the most high so Hubris pride is not only detrimental to the individual, but it can also likewise be toxic to the community. Uh, writing about sports, uh, one author notes that the effects of pride or hubris on the team and it, uh, the detrimental effects, and it can easily be applied uh, to the church or any any community as well. <clears throat> this guy writes, Few athletes in history have been the embodiment of perfection. How can athletes improve if they believe themselves above the need for improvement? How can they better contribute to the success of a team if they do not do not realize their potential? Hubristic athletes often feel as though they should not be required to adhere to policies and expectations set forth by the coach. For example, they are offended when they are taken out of a game in order to allow a substitute to play, when they are punished for being late, when they are asked to stop talking while the coach is trying to instruct, and when they are required to perform in tactical roles determined by the coach. Such athletes are less than a joy to have on a team in spite of how talented they may be. They cause frustration, irritation, and resentment. They do so because they believe their perceived self-importance, is worthy of special treatment and understanding. They believe that because they are gifted, the team cannot do well without them. They deceive themselves. Such an individual is a poor teammate, for it becomes clear to all that their own views and their personal success are all that is important. Such athletes are consumers and never servant to the team. I think that that... Kind of applies, like I say, to any can apply to any community where pride is rampant, and even in the church. So, what are some signs of an individual with hubris pride in the, in the church? Any any thoughts? You, we've all come encountered people in in church. Let let's say in church, not necessarily our church, but in Oops. a church setting. <laughs>
4: Uh, those who believe, those who believe that the doctrines of their church are, uh, the only way that it could possibly be.
0: Okay, yes.
5: Those that have controlling spirits, they just want to control everything and micro, micromanage everything and not let others,
0: others yeah, that's, try. That's good, good, Jimsy, right. Uh, John sp- spoke about pride of knowledge, claiming to to, to know everything, uh, that they were always right. Uh, Chimsey talks about pride of power, self-directed and rebellious towards leadership and wanting to control, often legalistic. Is Anything
6: pride about? acquired? Pardon? Is pride acquired? You're not born with pride, Right.
0: No, I don't believe you are.
6: No, no, it's just as life goes on, you just keep building yourself up more and more in, in, in a very, uh, I guess unbelievable way, I, I guess, uh, you know, but I don't think you're born that way.
0: I mean, obviously, it, uh, you know, it's, it's tied in, uh, with, with sin and yeah. selfishness and self-centeredness. Okay. And the fact that nobody ever told of such a person no right (laughs) or or they never sat them down and they you know had a heart-to-heart talk with them Mm -hmm. uh, about their being big-headed i I think it
1: may also be related to being emotionally unhealthy mm. you know not not being able to like like if if you lack um you know trust in people because you've been hurt you know you you can be led to start to want to do things your way because you believe that otherwise you're going to get hurt, um, and, and like that, you know, emotional emotional health. I think it's a huge component as you're talking about community, understanding how to, you know, um, relate to others correctly and mm-hmm. respect others' opinions and all of that. Emotional health is very very important, and I think that a lot of you know a lot of this could be con- you know contributed contributing to somebody being you know uh, appearing to be very Boastful or proudful. It be, could, it could just be that they just don't know how to express themselves, don't trust other people and just try to take
0: control. Mm. Yeah. Very, very good, Steve. I think yeah. you're right, right on target there. Um, you know, a person does that mostly as compensation, uh, for something else. Okay. Uh, and they've been, uh, exaggerating themselves in order to compensate for their, their weaknesses. Um, yeah, so those are those are some individual things. Um, how can the, those prideful attitudes apply to an entire congregation? A lot. It Thank
4: has, it has to also to do with um, people take a lot of pride in the size of their church or the wealth of their church, and they look down upon those that aren't as big or as uh, as wealthy or as glamorous. Is just those aspects that cause the church to be prideful, uh, you know, they say, well, this is a small little group over here. We're a big group. We're healthy. We've been around a long time. We're
0: better than them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone else?
5: I think um when it comes to congregation, it has to be with the leadership because if people are in a group that, um, The leader is very prideful, you know, like all these big television, um, (coughs) preachers, when you see their members, they talk like they're preachers. They want to say things. Oh, it is well with you. Yeah. You know, like they say things that they mimic their preacher or their leader say. So I think it has to do with the leader. It's true.
0: Yeah, I think uh, that, you know, it's almost always true that, you know, the, the leader sets the tone, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. Pastor. Right? And, uh, I think you're, you're absolutely right there. You know, there, there's that pride of being, that I think was mentioned, you know, the, the super spiritual church, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, we got it all together. Our church meets every night for this meeting or that meeting and, uh, or well, the, uh, pride of knowledge again, you know, we have all our Jots and tittles, you know, in place, you don't. (laughs) And, uh, pride of power, you know, our church uses, uh, its money, uh, as, you know, on itself to make itself, uh, bigger or more comfortable. Um, but such a, such a a spirit of pride in the individual and in the congregation, uh, creates a a toxic environment. Okay. Yes, Yes i i think uh
3: one of the most the problem the biggest problem uh uh that in church with pride it is when we think that spiritually we are more mature or we are closer to god than the other people and uh and then we try to control them uh uh how they should live how they should act how they you know and 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 it is connected with legalism too, you know, because that's, I think that's the root mm-hmm. of, of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and in, in the church, the problem it is that if I am, if I cannot be humble and my spirit is full of pride, how are I going to forgive the offense of other? How I going to, uh, uh, ask for forgiven? And I mean, imagine a meeting, uh, where everybody want to, get together to achieve something and we are all full of pride. We're going to be fighting for our idea because my idea are superior than yours. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that you are supposed to submit to me.
0: Yes. It's, yeah, it's yeah. not
3: me. That's what I think. Okay. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right, Winston. Uh, you know, uh, that's why I say it, it creates a toxic environment. And, uh, it, it's interesting that only the people who have adjusted to that toxicity remain. Um, the prideful people, because the new people that come in, you know, they, they sense it and they'll move on right away. Um, so that's a, that's a little bit about the, uh, the hubris pride. And on the uh, other Pastor, hand, they, uh, yes. I just wanted to
2: add, uh, okay. you mentioned last time that we met about, um, consumer versus Servant yes. perspective. And I think that's worth uh, noting again. Uh, consumer would be, I think, you know, what can the church do for me? And servant would be, what can I do for the church? It's not, you know, I, uh, I think when people come in with pride, it's like, okay, you know, I'm here and what can, what, what can I get out of it? The church. Yeah. Whereas uh, with a servant, um, attitude and perspective. It's like okay, you know, I'm here, and God, you know, use me. Now, how can I serve the church? So I think yep. that that's this pride in a person who comes to church and is constantly looking for what the church can provide for, for that person. Yep. You know, um, again, it's self, it's self uh, focus.
1: Pastor Bob, yeah. I, I I agree with with Ann, Anna and and Winston, but I think at the same time it's. I think pride is almost natural progression. You know, if you think about, um, you know, teenagers, right? I'm just comparing and contrasting here. So teenagers with, you know, adults, when you're a teenager, you think you can take on the world, right? You, 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 you're all charged up, you know, you, you, no, no one can defeat you. You'll never get sick, right? And at this, and you know it all, you know more than your parents for sure, right? And at this and then later on as you age you realize, oh no, I didn't really know as much. You know, they they know a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and so I think that it's a progression. I think spiritual maturity, um, sort of, you know, you, you start to think that you know, oh, I understand how this works. I've been in this church for some time, you know, oh yeah, we should do this, we should do that. And then you start to realize, you know, these are really great people around me. They've poured so much of their time and their life and their and their uh funds into this church, you know, we are a body. And so you start to now understand that we need to work together. So I think it's almost like a progression. As you mature in your faith, you start to realize that you need each other. You understand that that you start to see the value um, that everybody brings to the body of Christ because of the different talents that the Spirit has given them uh, to to benefit the body. And so, you know, it it's almost like I agree that we should move away from that. But at the same time, I think it's a natural progression of maturing in your faith.
0: Yes, I think there is a certainly, a, you know, it varies in, in the indiv- individual, <clears throat> all right? Um, but the, the sad thing is that some people don't mature, <clears throat> all right? And and, uh, and so the problem is exasperated and it just gets worse uh, as they get older and they get more influential or whatever the case might be but you 're right, but I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the other good type of pride let 's call it humble pride, which kind of sounds like an oxymoron, all right um, but we do take pride we take pride in our children, we take pride at, in our work uh, our our service to others, we have pride in our community, we have pride in our church, um, and those are good types of pride and I think that, that James one. Uh, nine and ten points in this direction. This is how it reads. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower. That's an interesting verse, because the way it uh, contrasts both. Okay, here the poor, those in humble circumstances, Should take pride in their high position. As believers, though poor, we should see ourselves in Christ and therefore exalted with Him, adopted children and co-heirs. And truly that's a, you know, a high position in which we should take pride or glory in as having been uh, chosen unconditionally without merit to such a high position. But on the other hand, the rich are called upon not to trust in their wealth, for it will all pass away like a flower. Rather, they should see themselves also in Christ, the meek one, a man of sorrows who became poor for them. And so humble pride acknowledges what Christ has done both for the poor in elevating and for the rich in, uh, in, in, in a sense, humiliating them and not allowing them to trust in their own riches. So, you know, there's, there's that aspect of good pride. So there's, there's bad pride and there's good pride. And we obviously, we want more good uh, than bad and we have to be alert, uh, to it. Um, but just to finish up this section, let me ask a question. <clears throat> Is God ever proud?
2: I don't think, I think God is pleased. (laughs) I don't know if he's ever proud, but I think that if we have a heart of obedience, and he, he clearly knows our hearts, and if we have this true heart of obedience and just long to grow in him, I would say he's pleased.
0: <laughs> God is pleased with with many things. Right? Yes,
2: and and it was interesting, Pastor, that when you read the verse from Corinthians, Paul was talking about his pride in others. Yes. So yeah, he wasn't referring to anything that he did that he was even hum- humbly prideful of, but it was his pr- his pride was of others.
3: I think, Master. when I think God, you know, uh, I think God is proud of his brilliant creation, of such brilliance and detail uh, of what He's done. He hmm. takes great pride in, in how, how elaborate and how amazing
7: and how well it works.
2: Mm-hmm. He said it is good, right? It is very yeah. good. Say that,
0: Adam. Yeah, he, right. Yeah. He said it was good. He was satisfied with it. Mm-hmm. All right. What, what about
3: when um, he's talking with Satan about? Have you seen my my servant job? Sure. I think job. Yeah, sure. I think I think he was uh in that sense. But it, it, your question is about is God proud about people, or or we find pride inside of God? I, I,
0: it's I don't because, I don't get the question. Is God ever proud? Pastor, in yes,
7: John,
5: he is. in
0: Joe, it
7: says, where were you when I created this? Where were you when I did that? Where were you? And I, that reflects a sense of rightful pride, I think. You know, and that whole, uh, monologue, uh, to Job. when did you do this? When did you do this? When did you do that? You know, look at, let kind of look at me and then look at yourself. So there is this humble pride that differentiates him on the basis of what he is and what he has
3: done. But isn't that uh, confidence on what he is?
7: That might be a good definition of pride, too. I
8: I think he's proud. Um, Even when he said, um, this is my son who I'm very pleased with, that's proud. You know, that's something that, you know, I I, want to say he's proud. I mean... Pastor, you did say before that um, you know, there's nothing, in my opinion anyway. there's nothing wrong with being proud. It's just to be like proud, you know, just to be arrogant about yourself. but you can be proud. I mean, I'm very proud of my girls. I'm yeah. super proud of my grandchildren. Yeah. I am proud of the job that I do, um, you know, but, um, you know, but I'm also humble because I know where it comes from. I know that I didn't, I now know that I didn't do it alone. Sure, sure. You know, that you know, you know, without it, it, God I couldn't have done anything. So I think, yes, I, I want to believe that God is proud. I know he's certainly <laughs> proud of me.
0: Yeah, and I, I think I, I, I am proud, proud of it you know, every one of his children. Amen. You know, in Psalm 104, 31, it says that he re- rejoices in his work. Uh Hebrews Amen. eleven sixteen, Amen. it's kinda of like a backhanded uh, uh getting around to it. God is not ashamed to be called their God. Mm-hmm.
3: To
0: mm-hmm. be not ashamed, the opposite of being ashamed is to be proud. Well, right? but, but what what we Hebrews two eleven, so Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Um, right. Well, okay. so there there is this uh, the good sense, the perfect sense of pride right. within the Godhead. Mm-hmm. Um, not the, and but like all things, sin corrupts.
8: Mm-hmm.
0: And it, you know, if pride is in the Godhead, and we are made in the image, and a good pride, uh, it. Is good and we should have it, but sin corrupts. And so pride gets corrupted and we get this arrogant, conceited, ugly thing. Uh, right. As sin always does. All right, Pastor, anyway. I, I yeah. wanted to
5: say that, um, our definition of proud or pride is might not be the definition of God's pride or proud because God, because we are sinful beings, you know, just like how the devil raised himself, saying, I would do this, I would that is a human, you know, sinful nature proud. Even when he came to tempt um Adam and Eve, he still, you know, came with that proud, arrogant self. Even when he came to tempt Jesus, he still said, You know, I will make you when you bow down before me, I will make you. So I think you know our proud or pride has to do with our own selfish or internalized self as opposed to god's proud proud well i would i don't know if I want to say proud, but as opposed to God being you know saying, "Look at my creation or look at this beauty or look at you know so he's not internalizing the proud I don't know how to really explain it, but I just think that you know with God it's more of us like people around him as opposed to how great am I God like how you know whatever you know how people kind of relate or explain themselves I just think you know All
0: right. the, uh, remember uh, last week we talked about a, one verse I forget just where it is now but <clears throat> we should not think more highly of ourselves than we ought which was a good definition mm-hmm. of pride because mm-hmm. pride does just that mm-hmm. okay but there's no fear of that in God. Mm-hmm. but there is you know he is the highest <laughs> there isn't anything uh, beyond that mm-hmm. all right um so that when he looks at the works of his hands it, scriptures uses the words like rejoice or it is good or he's not ashamed to 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 uh, call, uh, call them uh his children or brothers and sisters um so there is that that good sense of of pride um and you know and we should have that sense of pride in the proper things. Uh, not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought, taking pride in all those things that you've mentioned and in our own kids and our grandkids, um, even in all, in the work of our hands, uh, you know, the carpenter takes, takes work uh, in, in his labor, uh, uh, takes pride in his work and his labor. So, uh, there is that, but we want to be aware of the wrong type of pride, which is so prevalent, um, and destructive. And can be toxic. All right. Any other questions on that topic? Any comments before I move on?
2: <clears throat> yeah, Pastor, I just have one. Um, uh, excessive
7: pride, I think, um, very often comes about from a very rigid person. Um, someone who practices uh, rigidity in their own thoughts. Um, they're not a good listener. So they're not um, really paying attention to what anyone else is saying. They're stuck where they are, and um, you know they're just not growing as a person. That's what I think of as a, a excessively prideful person, someone who's very rigid, not open to another person's opinion, uh, what they're thinking about, uh, not engaged with others. More of an uh, isolationist type of person.
6: Mm-hmm
0: it could very well be okay um, you know often rigidity again is is a is a uh, a protective defense uh they're comfortable and they um, uh don't want to entertain anything else because they feel threatened uh so it's easier just to say you know a uh, and not even consider b i
2: think also that when we're pro- proud of any um, kind, there's a, um, there's like a satisfaction in what has happened. And I think that the bad pride is you're satisfied, just giving yourself credit, you know, that you did it and, um, you're proud of it. You're boasting about it. And the other, uh, the humble pride, which I think all Christians, um, need to have is yes, we're satisfied with the outcome of whatever happened, whatever we did, but you know, the credit goes to God.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I saw a great post at one time. I I remember what it said, but it was a tortoise sitting on a fence post. And the caption was, we don't get where we are in life by ourselves. (laughs) And uh, uh, you know, but, the prideful person thinks he does. All right. And, he, you know, he doesn't give credit to others because, again, that that takes away from him, takes uh, the spotlight off of him or her. All right. And, uh, you know, uh, he, he finds it almost impossible to applaud others. So, all right, then. Uh, let's, uh, what time is it here? Okay, let's at least uh, start on our next lesson. And our next lesson deals with uh honesty, the honest community. And let's start by uh someone want to read first John one verses five through nine. First John one five through nine. This is the message we heard from
7: Jesus and now I declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness at all in him. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts.
0: Okay, thank you, Peter. Um, Relationships. Good relationships cannot exist without honesty. Um, as soon as I'm dishonest or I'm untruthful with you, okay, um, we kind of unravel that relationship. The foundation is broken, and you know the stock ex- examples uh, that we can think of, obviously, is a, the cheating spouse. All right, the embezzling CEO or the friend that uh, betrays a confidence these this is these cause devastating uh, deadly effects uh, to a relationship and uh, that's why honesty is so so very important and again, this is uh something obviously God is honest. Okay, and he wants us to be honest, um, but sin corrupts, all right? And right from the garden, all right, um, you know, they were trying to, uh, Adam and Eve were trying to uh, not answer the question, all right, um, point, uh, point to the other one, and, um, and right from then on, uh, lying has uh, been almost uh, the norm uh, for the for humanity. And let's face it, I do it. You do it. Okay. Uh, how many times when I work for the county, did I call in sick? But, uh, I wasn't really being honest. I was not sick. Although I tried to rationalize it by saying it's a mental health day. So, uh, you know, that seemed to, uh, make things a little better for me, for my conscience. But, um, what strikes me about this passage here, about walking in the light means basically walking in honesty in truth all right and verse seven but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of jesus purifies us from all sin all right um so I thought that there was a an int- very interesting uh, connection there between walking in the light or being honest. There's another way of saying being honest and truthful. Uh, if we do that, then we can have fellowship with one another. And, you know, Christian fellowship, uh, it's essential to be honest. And, uh, uh, strangely, it seems that we can uh, be more honest with God then we can with one another. What, what, do you think that is?
4: Because God is invisible. He
6: does <laughs> <laughs> I, I think,
3: I think it's shame sometimes. Sometimes we try to hide and sometimes it is very painful. To tell someone, even to God, uh, how we the, the level of our failing in our life, uh, 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 how short we are uh, to where we are supposed to be, and and um, and it, 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 if we have a relationship with one each other, you know, and I fail to you. Me admitting my failure, it is very difficult. It, 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 it is, and not only it is difficult for for me to admit that, but at the same time, sometimes the pain that I'm gonna be, you know, uh, uh, causing in the other person that is listening to me, uh, and I think it's a it's, it's a it's a mix between shame, uh, 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 um. Guilt, and and admit him that we are that we fail.
0: Yeah, and you know, and I think for me, I think you know, it's it, it's it's easier to come to God because uh, I know what God's reaction is going to be, and I, I you know I I know God is forgiving, God is gracious. Uh, he, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But if I tell you, I'm not so sure. All right. And, uh, and, and that's where, uh, and that's the fly in the ointment because you may not be so forgiving and understanding as God. You know, and, uh, and how many times do you hear this criticism about people, people who don't go to church because the church is full of Hypocrites. Right? And what is a hypocrite? You know, it comes from the Greek. Uh, the hypocrite was an actor. An actor who wore a mask and pretended to be somebody else on stage. That's where the word comes from. Alright? And how many times do we, we talk about, you know, too many of us wear masks, uh, and we're not honest with one another. You know, you ask, how are, how are things? Um, because we ask that because it's expected of us, but we, do we really care what the guy says? All right. Uh, you know, or, well, we, we can be struggling with the sin and say, how's things going? Oh, fine, fine. And, uh, uh, you know, we behave differently in church than we do at home or in school or the workplace. And folks, if, if we're doing that, let's be honest with ourselves, we're being hypocritical. Um, so uh, as a church, uh, unless we can be honest now, uh, obviously there are levels uh, of, on not levels, everything needs to be honest, but there are levels of sharing. Okay. Uh, you know, you have to have a, a relationship and the deeper the relationship then the then the more transparent you can be and you can allow you, you know, seek to have accountability with someone. You're not just going to pour out your deepest, darkest secrets on on the visitor who walked in the door because uh, they're in, the, in your church, you know, and say, Oh, hi, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with uh, pornography. Can you help me? It's like, you know, just turn around and go back out, you know, um, or something like that. <clears throat> but, you know, when you're in a church and in a church body, Okay, uh, honesty is a necessary ingredient for a deeper community. Uh, now, it, it wanted me to read some things from the book, but I don't have time to do that. Uh, but um, Ephesians 4.15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him Who is the head, that is Christ. Verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. Speak truthfully. Now, speaking truthfully does not mean brutally or or with bluntness. I, you know, in the past, sometimes I've heard you know people who are just down like right rude come to me and they and they defend themselves. They, oh, I have the gift of the prophecy and like a prophet, I tell it like it is. You know, well, that, there's a lot wrong with that that statement on a number of levels. But the fact is, you're just trying to uh, dress up rudeness. And you know, um, the scriptures say that we are to speak the truth in love. Uh, too many times people speak the truth, but there's no love. And other times uh, people, uh, uh, um, just the reverse, uh, others try to love without speaking the truth. And that doesn't help the situation either. Um, neither one works. We have to walk in the light. And that requires both aspects. And uh Being honest is essential for any accountability. There are times in our lives when we need to ask some tough questions. And, you know, we go through some tough times. Sometimes we get lazy and uh, we aren't maybe spending the time with God that we should. And to have somebody that we can confide in. um, becomes a very precious, precious uh,
4: treasure. Pastor, you know, they talk about the t- speaking the truth in love as opposed to whitewashing the truth, uh, as opposed to how do I look in this dress? Does it make me look fat? And you cannot, you know, some there are degrees of truth, I guess. And, and when it, it will hurt somebody's feelings, maybe it's better the truth is... Kind of massaged, or if it'll help them, then you speak the truth in love. So I, I don't think it's an exact science. As far as as far as lying to God, that's pathological. I mean, you can't. That's almost you got to be self delusional to think you can hide things or go, No, Lord, I didn't do that. Like, what do you mean? Uh, like you're 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 nuts. I mean, God is omniscient, omnipresent. You can't lie to God, unless you're, of course, really don't believe He did something wrong, and then you're just lying to yourself. So. But I'm, I'm nervous about like the absolute truth, 100% of the truth at all times in every circumstance on every question.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what I think, but you know, I, I, I think we also have to be careful then that we don't become entangled in situation ethics. Depending upon the situation is depends on whether I tell the truth or not.
4: Well, I right. think telling the truth and there's t- and telling the full truth or telling the complete truth or maybe elaborating the truth but there may be a way to tell the truth without actually saying the truth. I mean, it may be a bit of diplomacy and kind of massaging your way into the truth without actually saying it. I don't know that that even makes sense, but
0: yeah, you know, Han, uh, you know, I love you. And I would tell you the truth mm-hmm. about that dress, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, you can certainly massage it, but you're speaking it in love. You'd have to know the situation and you want to make the best of the situation, but you don't want to lie. Yeah. You look great in it. I think what, what, Sal was trying to get at is that wisdom is
7: how much you say, you know, the The classic is this, is, is, do I, does this dress make me look fat? Well, you know, honey, I really don't like you. That, that the profile of that dress doesn't fit you. I don't like it the way it fits or whatever, but to say, no, you're really fat is, is not wise for a long-term <laughs> relationship, but it, you know? So you, you have to, there's a degree of wisdom, where you can tell the truth, but not the obvious answer, like your fact, you know that doesn't work it just doesn't uh I mean that's where I think wisdom and speaking in love comes in
4: well being a steve i mean uh, <laughs> if i if I was a singer in the in the- choir and my voice was horrible, but I really love the Lord and I'm singing my heart out, and everybody's like kind of noticing, and I'm not really carrying a tune but I'm like a great person. Everybody likes me, and I'm really out there belting this tune out for the Lord. And they, hey Steve, I sounded good today, huh? Like, what would you
1: say? Um, yeah, but, but you're right. You're right. It's Thank so you. Hard to tell that. And say it's and, you good know.
6: to worship the Lord together. <laughs>
7: <laughs> God is God is honored uh, by your singing. Like Let's you put it down. Unlike really make a joyful noise. noise. <laughs> I hear you
5: play the yeah. guitar, Sal. We need somebody but,
3: to play the but, guitar. I, uh, but, I, got it. but, 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 going. I, I hear, um, one, yeah. I, I hear what Sal is saying. And, um, but what if the person asks me, uh, Winston, do I look fat? Uh, uh, do I look ugly with this dress? And uh, let's say I know that this dress is really like a was saying it doesn't go with her figure, you know. And I'm gonna and I care about this person. I have to find a way to tell her the truth. Uh, honey, Uh I think this dress really don't go with you. Uh, 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 um, uh, um <laughs> I know that I'm gonna get in trouble. I know that as a sinner. I am supposed to say, honey, you look beautiful. And, you know, you should wear this dress all the time. But I am lying at the same time. uh, When Jesus say, the truth will set you free. And, yes, he's talking about salvation and and all those things. It isn't always the, the, the best choice to find a way. For example, like with this example, if this person is really... Doesn't have the voice to be in the choir. It is not a steep job as a, as a leader of the choir to say, listen, Saul, let's talk a little bit here. You know, I'm explaining to Saul the gift of the spirit, all those things that maybe he's calling is to work in, in in another place in the church, you know, with loving, and thing. Uh, I think. I don't know. It, it, I,
5: I think it depends on the person that you're saying it to. It all depends on the person that you're saying it to, because some people might really take it personal. personally. People will be like, oh, thank you for giving me an honest opinion. So it all depends on whomever you're saying it to, you know, yeah, and sure. your relationship with the person. Yeah,
0: so, a good, very good point, Trimsy. And I think that, you know, they say that knowledge is knowing what to say. Wisdom is knowing when to say it. Okay. And, you know, that you do have to know who you're speaking to. And yeah, you, you could just explain, you know, you know, dear, that is the perennial difficult question that, that husbands are asked. And you can start talking about ethics. All right. And the dilemma that you find yourself in. All right. And knowing. And so maybe she'll get the hint that maybe she'll rephrase it. All right. Uh, something like that. Uh, but it, it depends on, you know, the, the person who you're speaking to.
1: God, um, he, he, here's, here's the what I say. I say, well, let me see how the choice is. Let me, I'll give you the best, the best choice for you. There you go.
0: There's a, there you go.
6: I get that a lot. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: give me some other choices. Let me see. Well, that looks really nice on you. Go with that one.
3: You know?
4: You say, honey, you're so beautiful. It doesn't matter what you wear. You're going to look good no matter what.
3: I will go with the Steve, uh, suggestion. That one is a good one. (laughs) The, The other, the other part of speaking in love
7: is thinking about what kind of situation you're putting the other person in. You know, you're, you're, when you say, does this, this outfit or this suit make me look fat, you're setting that person up into a, you're backing them into a corner and it's not something that You know, it's such a a, a loaded statement, you know, where you could say, "Uh, do I look good in this? You know, or is this, does this look good on me? That kind of thing versus does this make me look fat? I mean, there's a big difference between those two. Because if you say, if, does this, does this, uh, does this look good on me? You can easily say, no, it really doesn't look good on you and not get into any sort of trouble. But if you say, if does this make me look fat? You go, uh, yeah, I'm in trouble or no, you're lying. You know? So it's, 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 it's part of it is how you ask the question. Yes. Yes.
0: Let me, uh, let me, uh, ask this question then, um, it, regarding and speak being spoken to in love. All right. Does anybody have, uh, an example? Have you ever, somebody ever come to you, you know, in love, uh, to address something, uh, needed to be corrected in your life i'll give you an example from myself all right Uh, i was at a church picnic and at church picnic of course everybody gets up and they play a little softball of all ages and i think i was pitching and this one young boy i guess at the time maybe around 13-ish um he was not a good athlete all right but his father had encouraged him to get up there and uh, he, he hit the ball and it was just a little dribbler down the first baseline. I ran all dashed over there and I picked it up and I tagged him out as he ran the first base. And we just continued to have a very nice time the rest of that Saturday. Sunday came around and I'm going into the church and the father says, guys, speak to you. I said, sure. And he said, he says, you know, you're a little too competitive at times. You know, my, my son has a great deal of trouble in, uh, you know, athletics and, uh, you know, uh, you made a you know, maybe you could have cut him a little break on it. It's only a church softball game, you know, and they were a little bit offended. And, you know, I, I, I thought for a minute, you know, I said, no, you're right. You know, the younger kids, you know, I, I was like kicking the ball away from my glove, you know, so they would make first base or something like that. And so I apologized and we were all good. And, uh, you know, and I made sure next, next softball game that that kid got on base. <laughs> you know? Um, so, but it was, it was interesting that, you know, that he, he felt that he needed to talk to me and we resolved it equitably. And, uh, um, I can be too competitive at times.
6: So I appreciated it. I don't know. Anybody else have any example? A long time ago, um, my brother, you know, he was a dentist, and uh, we have a very good relationship, the both of us. We're very close. And he was sitting in his office way in the back, and he was reading his Bible because he studied all the time. And I came in, and I said, oh, wow, James. I said, I saw the greatest guy on TV, Preacher, last night. Now, this is a long time ago. He said, well, what was his name? I said his name was Joel Olstein." And so my brother just put his eyeglasses down and he looked up from the Bible and he said, uh, what did you like about him? And I said, well, I don't know. He was kind of positive about everything, you know. And um he said gently and lovingly, well, he said he has the only idea that he really stands for is – um you know, how we are not, well, he doesn't really mention Jesus. He just mentions prosperity all the time. And so, you know, at first I I took it as, wow, was I that off? Was I that wrong? And then I, and he was so gentle, which he always is, and very loving. And I just took it and I thought about it and I went away and thinking and thinking and thinking, and I realized that he was so right. And, um, so he, you know, he was firm, but he, but it's the way he put it didn't offend me. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So it worked out really well. And here I am telling the story.
0: Good. And you're not uh, following Joel Olstein. Very I, good. i no. <laughs> Anyone else to close out?
2: I, uh-huh. I was going to say that we, we always have the Holy Spirit with us to, um, help us find the words to say. I know sometimes I'm in touch a situation and right there I start to pray, Lord, you know, Holy Spirit, please lead me to the right words to say so I don't hurt this person because a lot of us are very sensitive. Um, I just want to say that years, uh, many years ago, I started to take Qatar lessons and they were probably, you know, uh, private lessons and they were costly. And um, after, I think, three lessons, the Qatar teacher said, um, you, you're not... Getting this right, your fingers are just not crawling, uh, properly. So let me see if I can help you. And, uh, he said, you, you just don't seem to be getting it. So I, and then I was like, what are you talking about? I really want to learn to play guitar. So then he said, well, let's see what happens next time. And he gave me some, you know, cues as to what to do in practice. I came back next week and he just said to me, and it was very gentle. He said, I could see that you have a love for music. You know, it's that sandwich formula where you begin with something positive and then all of a sudden you, you, you say what you need to say and then you end with a positive. And then he said, uh, did you ever think, Oh, I see your love for music and I see you have a passion for learning an instrument, but did you ever think maybe you could try another instrument, another? <laughs> so I'll
0: listen so, to the radio. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> but you know, help me. He saved me a lot of money. I never learned to play guitar. And I started taking piano lessons. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
0: Oh, right.
2: So oh. I'm saying there was this, uh, this I wouldn't say love, but just the concern that he was just going to leave me hanging, uh, that he was going to suggest, you know, for me to consider other options.
0: Right. So
2: I, I just remember that. And I appreciate it. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> it gave I, me a lot I, me. I
0: mean, I some, think... sometimes we have to, uh, you know, again, telling the truth as gently as possible and uh you know i am for one you know if Sal's trying to sing, I'm gonna tell him Sal, you have other gifts, okay, <laughs> um, and uh as gently as possible, because you know it's just not about him in that situation, okay, it's about uh, the entire congregation, all right, so somebody else was gonna say something I thought yes, I was gonna
5: say, I said it depends um. All the examples that that are being said here is great, but it depends on culture. So I don't know, but for my culture, right? Maybe sometimes I want to we want to go out. I and Anthony and I dress somehow. Anthony could just tell me, "Are you going to the farm? Did you dress to go to the farm?" I understand that what I'm dressing is not good, but some people might, you know, look at it like you know, why are you using the farm? So he might say, oh, are you going to a New York festival or are you going to watch a masquerade? So I understand those things that, you know, those are that, the type of corrections that, you know, like when you say like white at snow, you wouldn't tell me why somebody in Nigeria has white as snow, you know, like because they don't have that. So when we are, you know, trying to, you know, correct people have to also be sensitive to those people's culture. That's what I'm trying to say, because in my culture, you know, (laughs) you know, telling me your shirt is as white as snow wouldn't make sense to me. Right. But telling me something, you know, is as white as something that I'm familiar with, maybe inside the coconut shell like, you know, the coconuts, maybe it's as, your shirt is as white as that. That would make a lot more sense to me. So I'm just saying that, you know, culturally, you know, correcting people is also a factor that we have to consider. I don't know. That's just yeah, my talk.
0: No, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, contextualization. Uh, you have to speak to what the people know. And if Anthony uses those, those phrases that are very familiar to you, but they communicate the same thing that we might say and using different words. Um. yeah, so, the, you know, uh, you're absolutely right.
2: Can we hear Sal sing now?
0: Oh, uh well, look at the time's up right now.
2: Uh- <laughs> I want to hear him sing. <laughs> and then we could all judge. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. so, Bob, I just wanted to say one more thing. Yes. I think that, you know, with all the conversation that we had and, you know, how cautious we need to be and all of that, I think that sometimes we, like, paralyze ourselves and then we don't say anything and so we end up with a big elephant in the room where there is some tension because things have not been talked about and it it creates this just unhealthy environment to be in and then people I think end up coming into church and then they run out of church because they don't want to see that person that they have a conflict with so I think that although it, it is you know really important to um you know, uh, be gentle. Uh, we do need to uh, create a culture in our church where we can actually speak the truth. I think that we need to understand this person loves me and this person's just trying to, you know, build me up and not tear me down. And so as long as our, our approach to it is that we're all going to speak the truth and love to everybody and, and we're going to be super gentle and we're going to seek reconciliation all the time we should really try to seek reconciliation and not just pretend that everything's okay and run out of church. Because I think that that really causes harm.
0: Absolutely. You know, remember, remember, we, we are trying to build uh, the relationship. We don't want to do anything that's going to break the relationship. That's, that's what's important. Okay. As Christ gave himself for us to, to build that bridge to us, that, that relationship, We should be sacrificial. We should be humble, uh, you know, in our approach. Um, we should be speaking the truth in love, uh, with the, with the goal of reconciliation or making retaining that relationship that we have and not making it worse.
4: It's not only important to speak the truth in love. It's important to hear the truth in love. So it's, it's a tactful to say it, but it's also very important to hear it and not yeah. to get your back up not to immediately attack not to immediately be insulted but say oh i i didn't know that or oh i'm let me think about that or you know oh i did i do that unintentionally or so you need to be humble on the receiving side too and maybe when you if you pray about it and think about it you'll say yeah maybe he's right you know that's this is an area of change for me and even if maybe that's not your conclusion you say well this person has this thing and i'm not going to i'm rather just move on, say, listen, I'm sorry that that happened. Let's let's move on. Thank you for bringing it to my attention. So it's kind of a two-way street, wisdom and love on both sides.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, Sal. Excellent point about being, uh, hearing with love as well. Um, but again, it all goes back to having that relationship. It's very hard to do that type of speaking uh, in love and being humble and all uh, to strangers, um, uh, you know, and be a, even though you might have the best of intentions. All right. Very good. Uh, we're over time. Sorry about that. But uh, Sal, you want to close us in prayer?
4: Certainly. Lord, we just honor you tonight and thank you so much as we look at these attributes and some of these sins, Father. We confess our own of pride and we confess our sins of shortcoming and all of the things we've talked about, Lord, as we work towards becoming more Christ-like. We put these sins on the cross and ask you to help us to forsake them and to commit them much less often and Replace them with love and with joy and peace. And uh, we're a work in progress, Lord, for sure. Help us to continue to do that. Thank you for these lessons. Thank you for Pastor and the preparation and everyone who's hearing it. And I would just pray, Father, that you would just change us you, from the inside out to become more like Christ. In his name I ask. Amen. Thank you,
0: everybody, for Thank being Thank you, us. everyone.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Pastor. It's a Sunday.
8: Thank you. It's great, as usual.
2: All right. Good night. Good night everyone.